0: Father, I want to thank you for another opportunity. Lord, I just want to thank you for stirring my heart, making it heavy, and Lord, opening my eyes to see your truth. Father, I just want to thank you, too, for boldness, the strength to overcome the coward inside fear. I want to thank you for clarity. I want to thank you for your love, for your strength, for self-control. I want to thank you from for your word, which is where we get all of that from. We get all of our truth, all of our sound mind from your word. Mm-hmm. Lord, it keeps us pure keeps us on the right track and makes our life full your word does and God your word that became flesh you doing what you did for us which is what we're going to talk about tonight Lord we don't understand it fully we just know it happened and Lord you make it as simple as faith faith in you. Father, I pray for the person struggling with faith. I pray for the person who needs to be reminded of faith. I pray for the person struggling with life. I pray for the person who has life figured out. I pray for this body of Christ, this body of believers. God, I pray that we would always look to you as the head, and we would just follow after you with boldness, with strength, and say, Lord, we trust in you, you're the way, and we want to follow you. I pray, God, you would give me the words tonight, I pray that you would open eyes, open hearts, stir hearts, convict hearts, make hearts heavy, speak truth into them, and give me the strength to do it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things, amen. So it feels like it's been forever since I've been here. I know it's, it was only a week, but, uh, like, I mean, it feels like a really long time. And when, you know, like when you go on vacation or whatnot, uh, you always have more time to to think and to look back on things. Well, you know, I, I guess I should say this, the reason why I was gone, for those of you don't know, I had a baby and we were, I was, I was at the house with, with them, uh, all week long, and uh, today's my first day back to work and first day back here. And uh, you know, be honest, I'm not really that tired. You know, so y'all are gonna be like, "Hey, you tired? You know, you hadn't had any sleep." I'm not really that tired. I'm not the one staying up feeding the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just like I just get up when I'm supposed to and then go back to sleep. You know, uh, just try to do what I can. I'm just I'm just I'm here. To, I'm the helper. You know. So, um, but anyways, had the baby. Well, I had a lot of time just to sit there and fumbled with my thoughts and, you know, had nothing to do. I washed like 10 cars in three days, you know, just to, people coming over, hey man, you want your car wash? You know, I'll wash it for you. You got to do something, you know. Couldn't leave and uh, well, I had a lot of time to think and I had a lot of time to just redirect, like just refocus and, and, and get a fresh perspective, you know, not a new perspective but a fresh one. Just it's, it's refreshing and um, I don't know, it's just crazy. I don't, I don't even know what to think right now. It's just like I read God's Word a lot during that time, and I just, I feel refreshed. I feel like a, a new person, and my heart is so heavy with this message, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even really know what to say. Um, I was expecting to, to preach last Wednesday uh, on Colossians 3, and that morning uh, I realized that we were going to have to go to the hospital and have a baby, and so Dawn spoke on it. And my heart was still heavy from that. And to continue on, it's just, I mean, this, this message, has, I mean, this series has just been incredible. So we're in the series called Life. And for those of you who haven't been here, the first message, we, we, we started out, there, there's four things, four big questions you ask in life. Where did you come from? Why are you here? What do you do while you're here? And where do you go after this? So you have origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. And so those are the four questions that they we're asking. And, and we went through your origin. Where did you come from? And, and we, we went to Genesis chapter 1 where we saw that God created Adam. And then with Adam's rib, he made Eve. And, and he gave them a choice between two trees. And he said, you're going to trust me? You're going to trust your way? And, and it just so turns out that they ate of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. And, and we just looked at that and we said, hey, you know what? At the end of this message... We asked the question, said we're gonna look to God, our Creator, to see what this life is all about. Because our definition of life got got messed up when, when we when we ate of that fruit and we and we turned away from God. Our definition of life, we don't know what life is without Him. So we've got to look back to Him. We that's where we came from, that's our origin. And we looked at meaning and how God literally created us. He, he knit us in our mother's womb and he saw us in utter seclusion where nobody else could see us, but he could see that we were being made. And we talked about how this most simple thing that makes us believe in him, like DNA and how incredibly complex DNA is and it makes up our entire body and, and how that just cannot happen by accident and how God has ordained, has, has planned out every moment of your life before it even began. We saw that in Psalm chapter 139, and we talked about our meaning, how, how where we find our meaning. We looked at Romans chapter 12, and how you should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing how you think. And the only way to do that is what? By Scripture, constant and consistent meditation of God's Word, and looking back to what He says about your life. And that is the only way to transform your mind. And then once you do that, then you will learn to know God's will for your life. You see, there's human life and then there's spiritual life. And to really find your purpose, to know your true purpose, you have to be born again and to be alive spiritually, not just physically alive. You can be alive, breathing, but not alive kind of thing. So you need to be breathing and be alive on the inside to really find your true purpose. And we saw that he said that if you allow God to change the way you think and trust him with your life, then you will learn to know God's will for your life. So what we saw there was that your purpose is not fulfilled by a single moment. It's not that all of a sudden you get this dream job or whatever that you feel like, and God may have called you to that job, but that job in itself is not your entire purpose, right? And and God may have given you a child and that child is so beautiful and you love it so much, but that in itself is not your purpose. Your purpose is to not be a parent. Whereas if you look at the big picture of your life, then you see your purpose. And the way you fulfill your purpose and find your purpose is every single day you say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? I'm following you today. Hey, God, what do you want me to do? I'm allowing you to change my thoughts. Where do you want me to go next? Where, how do you want me to view this situation? I'm sharing the gospel. I'm living for you. I'm living for your glory. And we saw that that your purpose is fulfilled day by day. And at the end of your life, your purpose will be complete. Your your purpose in this life, you look back and you realize that your purpose was filled. Your purpose was to glorify God. Ultimately, you're glorifying God. We saw that and we say that we didn't go to what you should do in your life first because we said why. You have to know your why before you know your what. You have to know why you're here before you know what to do. Just like if I walked into my job eight months ago, I walked in, they didn't tell me why I was there, I wouldn't have a clue what to do, right? I would have walked up in there and I would have saw a bunch of metal parts laying around and I would have not a clue what to do. But since they told me why I'm there, they said, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z. That's my why. Now I know what to do. This is your purpose you have to fulfill. Now I get to go and do that. And so we talked about that last week, uh, Don did, in Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17, where it said that uh, you should fix your eyes in heaven. You should look up. You see, what happens is so many times we look horizontal, right? We look horizontal for our purpose, whether it's a job or our husband or wife or, you know, finding a, our soulmate or, you know, having a, we're basing our life on our child or whatever it may be, and, and a lot of those things are good things, Right? They can be really good things, but do they fulfill our purpose? See, we talked about that, how we cannot, the earth itself, we cannot find our purpose within this world because we are of this world. Our purpose has to be transcendent. We cannot just like something physical in this world always has an origin, right? Well, if you keep going back, 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 like, like the chairs you're sitting in, they were made by somebody, and that machine was, uh, that they were using was made by somebody else, and he can keep going back. Well, if you do that with every single thing on earth, everything goes back to God, the, where, we, where we were created, the origin, the beginning of all things. God is the beginning of all things. And so we looked at that, and we said, we said that we should look up instead of horizontal. Up and down you said there was this there was this guy I heard of he's a he went insane he was crazy and he but he coined this term and and it was it just like spread like wildfire he was he was like locked up in in seclusion i don 't know what you call that, but he was you know psycho we would say that he's psycho, but he wrote this poem and it said God is dead, and he wrote this thing it, it was it was just like genius he was like really, really smart, but he was crazy, so they had to put him somewhere and he, was, he's, he wrote this thing about how this man went to the streets and he was looking for God. He's like, have you, have you seen God? Have you seen him? And they were like, man, you've gone crazy. He was like, no, I'll tell you where God is. We've killed him. And so what he, what he ended up saying in there is somewhere in there he said, we're looking to this and left and right, back and forth, north and south. We're looking all these days. Is there any up or down left? He asked that question and he was not even a Christian. And so, what do we have to do? We have to look up. We have to look outside of what we can see left and right, and what's immediately around us, because the answer is not there. I was talking to somebody at work today, and he's going through, you know, really bad time in his marriage, and they're about to get divorced, and all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, and what he tried to, t- what he was telling me was that he was telling me his plan, right? I, I how to get over her, how to get over her, and do this or do that. It's my life, and and he was just like. You know, before he was all about God and he was like, want his marriage to be fixed. And all of a sudden, you know, things turn south and he's looking everywhere else besides up for his purpose, for something to heal his heart. I'm like, man, the answer is not there. The answer is not there. Because, look, if you go to this, X, Y, or Z, it doesn't matter what it is. Most of the time it's for a selfish reason. And then you go to that and you think, well, I'm not going to be there for long because, you know what? Sin is fun. I'm gonna, it, it's obvious that you go to that and there are strings attached to whatever sin you're doing. And it's going to keep you way longer than you want to stay. And it's going to cost you way more than you want to pay. Right? It's going to do that. It, sin is bad. And sin way over promises. And it always underdelivers." We don't look left and right. We look up and down. We have to look up and down. And we're talking about, it said, take off this. Take off the old. So that was your old life. It actually used that word in Colossians 3. It says, take off your old life and put on your new. We have to put on the new life. And it said at the very end, and dog talked about it, was that we need to let the message of Christ, and, it's, and all it's written, fill our lives. And that in everything you do, what? Be for the glory of God. That everything you do be for the glory of God. Ask yourself that question real quick before we talk about anything else. Ask yourself, what do you do? Do you do that for the glory of God? Now, there's some of you thinking, I really don't have to do this for the glory of God. Well, I would ask, do you have a relationship with him? If you have something in your life that you don't want to give to him, or that doesn't have to be for his glory, or you're not talking to people for his glory, or you're not working for his glory, it's got a purpose outside of his glory, I would ask you, do you have a relationship with him? If you don't, that's cool. That's not really my choice, but all I'm saying is is that you kind of know the consequences, right? Like, there, there are consequences to your actions. And when you know the truth and you pretend that you're living by the truth, but you're really not... And you're in for an extreme letdown at the end of your life. So ask yourself that question. It's not a burden. It's actually a privilege to live for God's glory. I'm serious. You think I'm playing. Like, it is not a burden. It is not a bunch of rules. I'm trying to tell y'all, it has never been about rules. Has never been about rules. It's about what's best for you. What Don talked about in, in Colossians chapter 3 was sexual morality, impurity, greed, which is idolatry, anger, malicious behavior, gossip, all these other kind of things. Please tell me that if you live your life for those things, are you going to be happy? Are you going to be filled with joy? Are you going to have peace in your life? Are you going to really find your purpose in doing those things? Ask yourself that. Do those things bring God glory? No. When you live the other way, like it said, put on the new, love, joy, and and it says be united in love. Those things are for God's glory. Now tell me, do you want that? It makes sense when you put it that way. We all want love. There is an inner desire for us for love, and I'm talking about all this. I'm recapping this only because we need to know this. We need to look at it in the big picture because we can't go on to destiny where we go after this if we don't know what this life is about here. Because, you know, once you die and you go into the next life, it's too late to figure out what you just did before. Then it's too late. Then you just, you don't know. You have no choice after that. The choice is made for you. Well, actually, you made the choice before, and now you just suffer the consequence. That's really what it's about. So that's why we're talking about it. So we're going to continue on, and I'm going to start. I'm just going to kind of share a narrative with you. See this, Jesus, okay, he walked on earth, and he lived a human life. And he lived this life he came, it, the Word was made flesh. He was the Word. He lived this life. He did a whole lot of things in this life. He healed people. He talked about who he was. He talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about who God was. And he said, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. He, taught, he did all kinds of stuff. And he never once sinned. He lived a perfect life. One that we couldn't live. We couldn't live that life. And he came with a purpose. But we're going to pick up at the end of his life where these people, his own people, that did not receive him. He came to save these people, and they did not receive him. He's been put on trial. And there's a governor. His name is Pilate. And he gets put in front of Pilate, and he gets put on trial. And he asks him, he says, what, are, are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, We're this is in John chapter 18. And Jesus says, Are you asking me this or is somebody else prompting you? Him like, he was like, Your people is the one who sent you here. Why are they here? What did you do wrong? And that's where we're gonna pick up. And and this is really important. I to be honest with you, I'm just giving a a general, a general overview, just Just listen. He says, The leading priest brought you to me for trial. Wow, what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. So right here, Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this world. It is not of this world. The truth behind that is is that this is not it. This is not it. It's as simple as that. This world, this life, your pain here, the good times here, this is not it. I know that's really hard to wrap our minds around. It's really hard to say that there's something other than this because this is all we know, right? And even though we know what death is, we don't really know what death is. The reason why it is so impactful is because there's a body there, but there's no life in it. And it doesn't make sense to us. Why that person was alive and now they're dead they're no longer here they went somewhere like and we know in the bottom of our heart I don't I don't care like I, I know there's people who say there is nothing after and you just die I know that but I believe that God has implanted our eternity is etched on our hearts we know that that cannot be it we cannot just be here for eighty some odd years, like Don said last week. We have eighty-five years here, if we're lucky. This cannot be it. There's no way that this is it. There's got to be something after, and Jesus promises that right here. If there's anything that's going to give you hope, I hope that that is it. There, this, this life is not it. There is something after this. I hope that that gives you an immense amount of hope, immense amount of just looking forward and saying, hey, this is not it. This, I don't have to put my hope in this world with, that ends in death. I can put my hope in something that never ends. Eternity is etched in our hearts whether we like it or not. Death hits us like that, but we know this is not it. Because you don't want that moment to come to you where you no longer exist here without there being something over there. And I've said it before, but this is how C.S. Lewis says it. He talks about how a child, I think it was in this, this uh, series of messages that I talked about is how a child uh, comes up to you know somebody and, and they've, only, they've only seen this child when they were real little and now they're like five years old. Whoa, wow, you've grown. And the person's like, the person's like, well, wouldn't it be weird if I didn't grow? Shouldn't, be, shouldn't that be the shocking thing, is if I didn't grow? And, and he, he kind of transferred. I'm not really sure how he said it. To be honest with you, it was just like way above my knowledge. But he put it like this. C.S. Lewis put it like this. It's kind of like a fish being surprised that it's wet. Like, the child growing... And you being surprised, kind of like a fish being surprised that it's living in water. Unless, unless that fish at some point in its life was destined to live on land. Right? So here's how that plays in. We are surprised by a limit. Why is that? We shouldn't be surprised by a limit. Death is there unless... We were destined to live forever. Unless we were destined to live forever. Eternity is etched in our hearts. His kingdom is not of this world. He's the king, but his kingdom is not of this world. And so it's really interesting how how Pilate continues on here. He says, so are you a king? So all of a sudden, it it just got real. He's like, oh, you are a king. But I I think something's playing in Pilate's mind right here. Like, okay, so, you know, I only know of one place outside of this world, right? That's what he's thinking. And then Jesus says, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And this is Pilate's response. He says, what is truth? Then he went out again to the people. He asked one of the most important questions a human could ever ask, and he didn't stick around for the answer. He said, what is truth? And then he walked away. You see, if he would have stuck around, I think Jesus might have, would have answered it like this. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He asked the very embodiment of truth, what truth is. And he didn't respond with a statement like, This is the truth. No, he said, I am the truth. The truth begins and ends with Jesus. And so I posed my own question and said, what is life? And Jesus didn't answer it with a statement saying, this is what life is. He says, I am life. Jesus himself is the embodiment of life. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is life. He is life. We find our life in him. That's an amazing truth. and he is the life. It goes on, the trial goes on, and, and the people are screaming. They brought Jesus to Pilate because they did not have the authority to crucify him themselves. And so they brought, them to the, brought him to the Roman government and, and were telling him, crucify him, crucify him, and they never had a reason. They wanted him to die so bad and they could never give a legitimate reason. Pilate himself could not find a reason, sent him to somebody else named Herod and asked him to find a reason. And even he couldn't find a reason to kill Jesus. Yet he was silent. He never spoke to defend himself. Isaiah 53, just like a sheep is silent before his shears, that's how Jesus was. He never defended himself. You know why? Because he was destined to die. He was destined to die. And they wanted him to die so bad. Pilate got fed up with it and said, Okay, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to flog him and then he can be free. And they said, No, that is not enough. He needs to die. And so you know what happened? He was flogged, he was beat with a whip. He had the beard plucked from his face, and then he had to carry his own cross, then he was nailed to it. He was nailed to the cross. And then he died. What's amazing about death to Jesus is that he is life. The fact that he life himself has died is amazing. And he died and we say it all the time but he died for our sin, right? He died for our sin. He died so that we could have life. What did our sin do? Listen to me. What did our sin do It killed us. Jesus Christ died. Life died so that we could have life. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be made righteous, so that we could be pure at heart, so that we do not have to die forever the second death, which is what Kenny talked about. He died. Life died so that we could have life. And you know what's so amazing about that? It did not stop there. Life died, but you know what? Three days later, they were going to the tomb. And they they went there, Mary Magdalene went there, and saw that there was nobody in that tomb. There was nobody in there. They knew that he was in there, but you know what? His linens were folded up, and his wrappings were laid to the side And the stone had not covered the opening anymore. And life that died came back to life. You know why that's so amazing? Because we can have faith in that life and have new life in him. So that when we die, we have eternal life with him, the one who loved us. So that in this life, we can continue to go out and say, hey, I know that you're dead inside, but I know life. I know the truth, and I know the way. The reason why this whole series was so important because we have to know where we started, and we have to know where we're going. We have to know what we're doing here. We have to know how to live this life. And when you can look at it in that perspective and not just look at it individually, now you know what your life is all about. And when you know what your life is all about, you're confident, you're strong. You can live for Christ no matter what comes your way because you have confidence in someone who died and rose again on his own authority. The whole, our whole faith revolves around him resurrecting from the dead on his own power. If he died and stayed dead, your faith would be empty. Your life would have no purpose. But because he died and he rose again, he gives us a reason to live. He gives us life. He now lives inside of us because of what he did. He loved us that much. And it's as simple as faith in him. So what happens after this life? There's two things that could possibly happen, and I want you to see it in Scripture, okay? We talk about heaven. We talk about hell. We talk about God's kingdom. We talk about eternal death. We talk about, you know, heaven having streets of gold. And we talk about heaven being having the pearly gates and, you know, doing this and doing that, doing this in heaven. We're having fun in heaven. And we talk about burning forever in hell. And it's just a place you don't want to go. Let me tell you, hell is so much more serious than just not wanting to go there, but you'd rather, you know, have fun fishing with Pawpaw. You know, I, I, mean, I don't say that being mean. I'm just saying I think that we look at it very flippantly. I think we look at the two destinations. Your destiny, that's the root word for destination. You, that is your, we look at those two destinations as very flippantly and we say, I'd rather go to heaven. You don't want to and then just get there. You don't have a a loose faith in god and think that you're a good person and then you all of a sudden get to heaven it's much 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 more serious than that and it's much more simple than that too because you don't just do good and get there you have faith and it changes you it transforms you and then you go there you don't get to go to heaven you go there it's not, a, it's not just something that's like a, you know, I, I just receive it like a gift. and I don't have to do anything about it. You say, I put my faith in Christ, and you know what your desire is? It's not to be in heaven. It's to be with him. And where he is is where heaven is. And the only reason I really think that we say heaven is up, because up is good, and he's the stairway to heaven, and he ascended. It's not that he's up in the cloud somewhere, he's, he's somewhere, I don't know where, but wherever he is, that's where heaven is. But we're not going to be there forever. There's I mean, a new heaven and a new earth. But we look at it very flippantly, and hell is not just a place where, you know, you sell your soul to the devil and all of a sudden you just don't get to be with God, but you're having a party down there in hell. That's not what it's like. And it's not just hot, you're dying Constantly. You're in eternal torment. There is nothing good about hell. If it's cold, it's one million degrees below zero cold. If it's hot, it's the hottest thing you could ever imagine. You can't even comprehend how hot it is. If you've ever felt lonely, hell is that much lonelier. You don't get to go there with all your little hell friends and hang out and talk about how bad hell is. You're by yourself forever. Hell is not somewhere you want to go, but hell is somewhere that we deserve. That is why Christ died. Life became death. He that knew no sin became sin. And do you see, he was the embodiment of that torture. When you look at his life, we see, I don't want hell. He did that so I did not have to experience that penalty. Oh, how he loves me. I want him. That's what we're looking at. And in Matthew chapter 25, it talks about the final judgment. And I'm not going to read it, but this is what I'm going to tell you. There's sheep and there's goats. The sheep are on his right side. The goats are on his left. And he tells the sheep, you go to heaven. You go with me. And they're like, you know, why, Lord? It's like, because you fed me when I was hungry. You gave me drink when I was thirsty. You clothed me when I was naked. Lord, when, we, when did we do these things to you? When you did it to the least of these, meaning when you did it to others. When you did it to others who were poor, they were poor in spirit. They did not have Christ. And he said, because of that, you get to come with me to eternal life. You get to have eternal life. Then he told to to the goats who were on his left side, and he said, you did not feed me when I was hungry. You did not give me a drink when I was thirsty, and you did not clothe me when I was naked. It's like, Lord, I, I thought we did. I thought we did everything we we're supposed to do. I, 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 we, we, you know, we prophesied when we, we we talked about you. You know, we, we did we did things. I, mean, I, I don't know you. I have no idea who you are. And those people, he told them, you will experience. Eternal torment, not eternal life. So when we're talking about life, this is the perspective that we need to have. You look at this series as a whole. What I talked about tonight, you look at this series as a whole, and you know where you came from. You know why you're here. You know what to do while you're here. And you know one of the two places that you can go, and you understand That it's not just whatever. In fact, the most important thing you could ever do, listen to me, the most important thing you could ever do is worry about what happens after this. Because all of a sudden, you ever heard the term, he sobered up quick? So you're so high on this life, you're so drunk on your sin, and you're doing all of this. When you think about what happens after this as a result of all that sin, you're gonna sober up real quick. Which is why I believe we don't think about it, right? Because we don't really want to face that. We don't want to look at that and say, we messed up. I messed up. This is gonna be my consequence. What we'd rather do, what we'd rather do is say, you know, I believe in God. Heaven's for real. Let's get this thing. You know, let's live this life. And you know what? I know that my grandmama, she went to heaven, so I know I'm going to heaven too because I want to see her. And all this stuff. It's not that flippant. Your grandmother may be in heaven, but just because she is doesn't mean you will be. When your faith in Christ This is what it will look like. You are a new person. You're a whole new creation. You have a new life. That is what it looks like. Let me tell you it's not just you following some rules, your whole life is changed. Your whole insides are torn out and you have a new birth inside of you. You have new desires. You have a new goal in life. You have a new perspective on things. You have a new you. You should not look the same. And you should look at your life and say, do I have bad fruit? Because that means I'm a bad tree. Do I have good fruit? That means I'm a good tree. Evaluate yourself honestly. It's is unbelievable how important this is. And I just really, I, I cannot wrap my mind around, I seriously cannot wrap my mind around how just crazy, oblivious people are about their eternity. I was talking to that guy, the guy I was talking about earlier, I was talking to him and he said something, uh, he said something about love. There is no such thing as love. I said, that's because you don't know him. You don't know love. He is love. And he said, I have to disagree with you on that. I said, look at your fruit. Look at your life. What do you mean? I got so tired. I just, I, I got back to work. I got so tired of just listening to him. I'm like, I, I just had to get rid of it. I felt bad. But then again, I was like, dude, what? Seriously, look at your life. Be honest with yourself. Look at your life. Do you have good fruit? You don't know him. And it's amazing, how do we tell ourselves that we know God, yet know nothing of Him? You know nothing of Jesus, how do you say you follow Him? You live a life contrary to what He said, you don't even know what He said, how can you say you follow His teachings? How do you say you have peace when you search for it in all the wrong places? How do you say you have life, but you look so dead? How do you say you have joy, but your whole life is miserable because you're worried about yourself? How do you say you have comfort when you cannot extend that comfort to others because you're so worried about what I'm doing, what I'm going through, my struggles? God said that if you have comfort, you should extend that to others. You should love others. How do you know you know love if you don't know how to love people? You don't know love if you don't know anything of loving your enemies. That's not true love. You just love your friends. Anybody can do that. How do you know you know him if you don't look anything like him? Colossians 3 says that when we have a new life, we're looking more like him every day, we become more like our creator. You see, when we were first created, when we ate the apple, we ate the fruit off that tree, all of a sudden an image of God that we were created in was blurred. We could no longer see it for what it was. But then when we believe in Christ, that picture of Christ that's in you, all of a sudden becomes more clear and more clear and more clear. The day you believe in Christ is not going to make you not be a drug addict anymore. The day you believe in Christ doesn't all of a sudden stop your cussing. The day you believe in Christ doesn't all of a sudden make you stop being an alcoholic or stop looking at pornography or this or that. But you become more like Christ every day because you know love now. You know life. You know your purpose. And it's all in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have our faith in him. That's as simple as it gets. Do you have faith? Have faith in that. Have faith in him. Have faith in him. Put your trust in him. Have faith in Christ. That is what he wants from you. And if your life is full of sin, know this. That he loves you so much that he is jealous of your attention, and he knows that if you're not giving it to him, it's worthless and it's killing you. He's jealous and says, I want you to know life. I want you to know peace. I want you to know truth. He loves you that much. Put your faith in him. Have real life. Have life. And have it more abundantly than you could ever, ever, ever imagine for yourself. Just when you think God has provided, He has provided so much more. Just when you think life has gotten great, even in the hardest struggles of your life, it's even greater than that because you become more dependent on Him and more relied on Him day after day. And your intimacy will grow with Him. And you'll love Him. And your heart will be full of peace. It's endless. Endless. When you believe in Christ, there's endless things that happen in your heart. Your heart is forever changed. Put your faith in Him. That's the message. Put your faith in Him. Students, Put your faith in him. Put your faith in him. He loves you. He has your life planned out. You don't have to stress about it. Who are you going to marry? Don't stress about that. Where are you going to go to college? Don't stress about that. What are you going to do next week, next month, during the summer? Don't, Don't stress about that. Don't worry about that. What's going to happen with your life? Are you getting made fun of at school? Is, is life hard or grades tough? Are you having a hard time? Don't worry about that. Put your faith in Him. It's that simple. It's not a quick fix to everything. It's a simple answer to say that's where it is. It's in Him. Don't search everywhere else. If you're involved in some sin, sexual immorality, drinking, temptation, Drugs, smoking weed, whatever, you're involved in that kind of stuff, understand this. It's nowhere near as good as Jesus. It's nowhere near as, a, as good as a friendship with Jesus. I'm telling you, I was there. I was in high school. You know how many blunts I smoked in high school? You know how many sips of alcohol I had in high school? You know how many times I had sex? You know what? I was perfectly fine. In fact, now that I look back, it had nothing to do with me, by the way. I, I 100% promise you that had nothing to do with me. I made mistakes, yes, but understand this. After I got out of high school, my friends went off to their colleges. They partied. They got in trouble. They did this. They did that. And you know what? When I hang out with them one-on-one now, guess what they say? I wish I had never done. I wish I had never Had sex. I wish I had never smoked my first blunt. Now I can't get away from it. I wish that I had never got addicted to this drug. I wish that I would never follow the crowd because it just leads to emptiness. And I realize that all of them are following the crowd too, and we're all a bunch of followers who have no leader. If you follow sin, it's only fun for a little while. Trust Christ. He's the only true answer. He's the only one that can give your life fullness and the peace that you're desiring from the sin or the things that you're doing with your friends, whatever. The peace and, the, and the, the, the fulfillment and the satisfaction of your life that you're seeking in that, it cannot come from anything horizontal, anything that's around you. It has to come from above. It has to. Okay? Okay? So we're going to have a time for those who are in their walk with Christ, in this race of life. If you were reminded tonight of your faith in Christ, of how important He is to you, of your reliance on Him, please humble yourself. Get a fresh perspective. Just bow before Him. Just trust Him again. Trust him again and say, God, I want you. I need you. If you do not have a relationship with him, I hesitate to say, you can make that happen tonight because I know that there's questions you have. There's got to be a question. If you know for sure that, hey, I, I just I want to put my faith in him, you do that. But it took me about a year to answer the questions I needed to be answered to where I fully just said, hey, I'm going to follow Christ. It's not just a simple pray this prayer. It's a you actually have to have faith where everything is let go and you're giving it to him. him. Maybe that starts tonight with just a prayer. God, lead me down this road. God, lead me in the direction I need to go. God, help me answer these questions. I promise you, because if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. So, it all boils down to faith. And he is the source of life. He's the source of purpose. He's the source of love. He's the source of peace. He's the source of everything we absolutely need, I promise. It's in here. And he said himself, he is the truth. Everything I just said about him, he said about himself, and it's the truth.